Hi, and welcome to another episode of Jewish Teen Talk, where this week we're going to inter- be interviewing three very interesting uh, young Jewish women who are really giving back to, who really gave back or are giving back to society in their own ways. Now, the reason why I brought these three um, three people is specifically because I think that sometimes we often focus on the regulations and the limitations of Judaism, which means that um, sometimes we think that that it's very restrictive and especially when it comes to women we think that Judaism is is very restrictive if we actually look on the ground and what people are doing we see that Jewish identity and Judaism um, enables actually people to achieve many things and give them responsibility and out of that Jewish impulse be it an identity or be it um, a religious idea that causes young Jewish women all around our country in Israel to be doing incredible things, um, which I think is really amazing. And sometimes we take that for granted in Israel, and sometimes it's not noticed enough outside of Israel. So inside of Israel, we say, oh, this is what everyone does. You know, everyone does Shirulami or goes to the army and, you know, gives back to their country and does amazing things at the age of 19, really young ages. And outside of Israel, things get very focused on, you know, the army and Israel-Palestine and, and, like, and things that aren't really necessarily... Um, zooming in on the individuals and what are actual individuals doing with their lives and if we look at that and we look at in, in this case specifically young Jewish women and what they're doing for society and what they did for society and what you guys growing up can go on and do for society um, it's like the opportunities are amazing so let's get straight in there um, and I'm going to be interviewing three different people the first person is going to be actually my wife who's the most inspiring in my opinion <laughs> um, Alana and then the second one is going to be anonymous because we don't want to reveal her identity because she's in Modi'in and then the last one is going to be um, Lian Harush who is a Chayaret Borada from uh, England who stopped a terrorist attack a, a number of weeks ago um, and who was actually in the news quite recently so that's an interesting story to hear as well so let's get straight in there with Alana hi Alana hi it's great to have you on the show. Um, okay, so let's get into it. Um, you did Shirat um in Beit al-Izraqi in Atania for your service, national service. Why did you choose specifically to do that and what did you do? So I actually, bring, thinking about why I chose that, I kind of always um, throughout I would say even at the beginning of high school, I already knew I wanted to um, work with kids for my national service. And I heard about this idea called um, a bit yard, which, which is a children's home. And people speak about how intense and hard it is. And I was kind of looking for that challenge. Um, and that's why I chose it and really wanted to go for that. And what I did at the children's homes, I worked with um, girls between the ages of 13 and 17 in a home, 18 girls. Um, and we basically just ran the day-to-day in the home. We're there for them. I guess you could say many parents at age 17 um, for girls almost your age. And, you know, from waking them up into the morning until they went to sleep and any, every little thing they need on any aspect, we made sure we were there for them. Um, it was definitely a very challenging year. Um, grew me in a lot of ways and kind of just got thrown into the water with these um, young teenagers that went through really hard hardships and are going through hardships in their life and to learn how to deal and help them and be there for them at the same time. Okay, so 
you were 18 at the time, basically, when you started. Is that correct, right? Yeah, just about. Not yet. You were 18, just almost 18 when you started doing this. So you were really looking after kids who came from difficult backgrounds, who came from broken homes where they had to be taken out of those homes um, and looked after somewhere else. And you were basically becoming the parents and the mothering these girls and doing something incredible like that at such a young age. I mean, that is just a huge level of responsibility that in Khutzla'aretz, I think people just don't, aren't exposed to. And I think that's just something that in Israel we should take um, advantage of and we should um, we should value it. And in Khutzla'aretz, um, also they should be, look. I think people should look to Israel, what an example um, we have here of a society that creates such a thing. You know, we're very into the idea that that Israel is um, that it's the beginning of our redemption. And if we see here what young Jewish women are doing, this is really a fulfillment of that. What you did, Alana, in my opinion, and what we're going to speak with the other girls about is really a fulfillment of coming back to Israel after thousands of years and doing something incredible um, at such a young age. And I want to ask you, um, Shirulami doesn't always have the best rep these days. What do you think about that? So I think, um, yeah, more and more, like I guess starting at my, in my year, it's become more and more common for girls to go to the army. It used to be much more, um, less common. And then throughout the years, just the numbers are going up, which I think is great. And um, girls do amazing things in the army. Uh, I would say at the same time, it's like kind of like became a thing that if you it's like could be considered less if you go to Shirulumi or like less courageous or amazing. Um, and I think that, and like, you know, Lumi girls, you, you're not wearing a uniform. You just walk around like any other citizen and you don't have like that amazing pride I'm sure you have wearing uniform. Um, and I think that that's sometimes lacking. I think that it's great that many girls are going to the army now. And I think that Lumi is also super important. And for girls that it's fit for, they should seriously consider it, even though it's becoming more and more common less to go to Sherwood, I would even say, and go more, go more to the army, but like the, and it's hard because you don't have that pride of like wearing a uniform and everyone recognizes it as much like, oh, wow, you're, you're, you know, you're serving in the IDF, which is a huge respect and pride, which sometimes in Sherwood is lost because you don't have a uniform and it's not as recognized, um, but there's so many opportunities and so many things in Sherwood Lumi that's needed. Um, and also very challenging and you're giving back in so many other ways and it could be so fit for many girls and they can do their their best and do such amazing things um and i think it's important also for society to recognize the shirut lumi girls which sometimes isn't recognized enough you know we do a lot of organizations a lot of things for um soldiers and those are super important but sometimes i think um the national service girls are get get forgotten about because it's just like okay you know like you don't see it in the outside or you not as tough as the army but it could be just as challenging and just as tough I don't know about the army but I know that Shirulumi itself can be challenging and tough and I think that it's super important to recognize that and even if you're like if you're a girl choosing what to do um, even though it's become so common and accepted to go to the army definitely take Shirut as an option because there is so many different opportunities that you can give back there as well um, yeah that's okay Wow, that's amazing. Um, now, I just want to say that, like, what I often speak to Alana about her experiences, and I was in Shiryon in the army, and I, I say, wow, 
that was so much harder than what anything that we were doing um and you know like being able to deal emotionally with girls and boys who have had their lives torn apart at such a young age and be able to rebuild these lives that's mamash what we call in hebrew it's like saving people's lives saving people's emotional lives and you know sometimes surely me i feel like these days is becoming overlooked by girls i think the army has a lot to give and a lot to say and girls should also think about seriously about whether that whether that's the path for them but shirumi is also something um which is incredible and should be seen as incredible and should be equally valued as something and you know sometimes i say to myself i wish i would have had the opportunity in some ways to do shirumi that's not something necessarily and there are actually people these days who do you know and i suppose our lives have to become something that's like that you know giving and being and, and being a, a service to the country but um alana what did you want to say i just add i think when, when it comes to giving i think giving is all about misirut. so if you put yourself out there and you give and you're like you're saying like you you give yourself and your time up and your mental state and everything and well especially time like years of your life that's that service like that's misirut. and any way that you're to the country that's that's a service and wherever that may be right incredible like i think that all of you guys um who are listening from israel um are going to be giving up a year at least of your life but probably more to give to this country and to give to society in this country and to give to other people and whether that's serving in the army and protecting the people or whether that's um education whether that's um you know working on um, uh, personal growth or any different things that that might be um it's incredible and it's something again i'm going to repeat this point because i want this to get through to people who are listening outside of israel and people listening inside of israel that in israel we don't we don't we take it for granted this is something incredible and people listening outside of israel should really value what kind of society i think that that we're building if we look past israel palestine and we look past conflict and we look past bombs and we look past you know stabbing attempts we can actually think about the courageous responsibility that young girls are, are taking on upon themselves and this is coming as an expression of okay so now i'm going to be speaking to a, a 19 year old chayelet uh, in modi'in which is intelligence um okay so hi I chose to go to the army at the beginning from the reason that a lot of, I just, it really interested me. I just said, okay, let's see how it goes. Let's see what happens. In the end, the reason that I went in the end is because I believed that um, I could do my best with myself. I could the best I can through the army, through the intelligence unit. Um, what I, my job is like really protecting the country in every aspect you could think of and, being religious in the army specifically is a huge lichut. Like I feel it every day. The, in the little things, like everyone around me really looks at you when you walk around and people know you're religious. It's a very big like and you feel like you're making a difference a little bit. But like it, in little aspects, like you just have to show. Amazing, Eliza. Thank you. Like that's really inspiring, and um, it's really in my eyes, it's kind of like a miracle that in thousands of years. We didn't have a state and we've come back to Israel and now we have girls who are serving in the army 
who are doing working in intelligence, basically keeping us all safe and taking on this huge responsibility at 19 years old. So that's really incredible. Um, tell us a little bit, Elisa, about what you did to prepare for the army. So before I went into the army, I was in a Midrasa seminary called Mathat. Um, I feel like that was the most important thing I did before the army, just because you learn all day about why you're Jewish, why you love to be religious, why um, you learn, you basically just take a year and just take it for your religion and make yourself stronger and coming to the army that way is amazing. I feel like that year showed me um, to be proud of who I am and be proud of my religion. And that's something that you really need in the army because a lot of people, everyone around you isn't religious. And if you show them that you're proud of that, what you do, and you show them that what you do isn't weird, and it comes to a real place that you understand and that you love, everyone around you respects you right away. Everyone is interested in hearing about it. And um, you have to just like going to Midrashah before the army makes you understand how to, how to be in certain situations that I found myself in a lot of them. Specifically in my job, it's basically only Chilonim. Um, and before you come to that kind of Chivla, you have to be sure of who you are and what you want. So then the things around you don't confuse you. And the second you know what you want and you and you show people the Siva that you know what you want, then things come very, not easily, but it comes a lot more smoothly and it really makes you a lot stronger. Wow, that's incredible. I wish I went to Midrash also. Um, <laughs> <laughs> could you tell us a little bit um, about what you do in your job? We know it's secretive and we can't know everything, but um, just for <laughs> the people listening, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So I'm in a yechida called Maos Rachav. It's um, half in Chil um, Avir, half Chil and half um, also Chil Yabasha, which I'm part of. Um, I'm a Nitsiga, like I come from Shemona time, but I am in a base that's not Shemona time. So I'm a Mazina, which I listen to um, certain things and I understand um, from what I listen, I understand what's going on and I report it. Um, I can't say exactly what I listen to, but it's really interesting and it's really amazing. And I'm still in training. I have at least um, a year out of my Shigut of training. I do two and a half years. Um, so I'm still in the tarifim of becoming um, a mazi now, but for now it's really interesting and you really um, see that there's so many things that go on in this country that we don't know of and that the armies make sure that we don't know of it because they protect us. So it's really interesting to see that. Yeah, and thank you for protecting us. I think that we should take this second just to give <laughs> a thank yet. you to all the boys and girls um, around Israel that are protecting us like you. And I just want to say that I think it's incredible, as I said before, that at 19 years old, someone can have so much responsibility and to, to give so much to the country. It's something that you could never get in Chutzla Aretz Bonagid. Um, it's very difficult to achieve in Chutzla Aretz, but, um, but in Israel, we're creating a model society where really it's an Ola Goyim and we're a light to the nations in that way that we, we demand of our teenagers to give two and a half years, three years, of their life to the country. And that's really incredible. So thank you so much, Eliza. Um, just one last question. I wanted to ask you like religious challenges in the army. So you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of my biggest challenges are Shabbat. I close a lot of Shabbat in the army. Um, it's hard because like the, everyone around you isn't keeping Shabbat and you kind of need to find your own way of keeping and 
realizing that it's a different kind of Shabbat, but like you, it also makes you also stronger and you, it makes you really appreciate um, the Shabbat that you do have. And the fact that you, when you see people that don't keep Shabbos, you see, you realize how much um, Shabbat is a real present. Vikrali, um, I think a lot of little things at the beginning, it's really hard to get used to, but once you kind of understand how to, how to take care of it and how to, how to make yourself like make build your own religion inside the army, then things get a lot easier. Um, I think just teaching people what that you're not such a creature, like you're a normal human being that religion isn't religion is important to you. Then once they understand that, then everything becomes a lot easier and people respect you. Well, you're making a real kiddush Hashem, so thank you, Eliza. Um, and I suppose you've got a lot of important things to get back to, so we're going to let you go, but. Hi, I'm um, joined by Leanne Harish, another amazing uh, Jewish woman who is currently serving in Palchatz, which is a search and rescue uh, brigade in the Israeli army. So um, first of all, Leanne's from originally from London, from Borumwood, um, and we want to understand how she came to Israel, why she came to Israel to serve in the IDF. So Leanne, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to Israel. Okay, so uh, as said, I'm Leanne, um, I'm 22 years old. I made Aliyah about a year and a half ago with the, um, with the organization Garin Tzabar. Um So originally I wanted to make Aliyah when I was around 18, uh, maybe even younger. Uh, I really wanted to join the IDF simply because I felt like I wanted to give for myself um, I also felt that like every summer when I came here on holiday, I'd see, I'd be on the beach and I'd see soldiers walking around and the, the heat of the summer sweating in, the, in their uniforms. And I said, you know, I'm here enjoying myself, feeling safe and protected. And I don't feel like it's so fair that I can sit here and enjoy myself without having like given anything of myself to this country. So I also want to, I also want to give. Um, and I also wanted to learn a lot more about Israel. I wanted to feel part of the society. Um, I want to learn about the country itself and, and uh, how it works and how the soldiers work. Um, so I, uh, I decided I was going to tell my parents that that's a decision I made. Uh, unfortunately, my how parents weren't so it? for it. Oh, they weren't for it. Yeah, they weren't so for it. Um, they didn't want me to come at all. Uh, they're both Israeli. They're just uh, simply for the fact that they were worried um, my mom, yeah, my mom was uh, really against it. She wouldn't help me with any of the uh, moving or anything. So the beginning, uh, the beginning was pretty tough. I remember the first couple of years when I was 18 and I received the answer. No, I was like, I don't care. I'm going. But then uh, turned <laughs> I, out that a mom's word is a mom's word. So I'm sure a lot of I, lone yeah, soldiers can identify with that as well. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a difficult thing. But you did it anyway, and now yeah. you are, right now you're in um, the Shomron, Samaria, right? Um, yes. And you're near Oranit, and um, okay, so just a few weeks ago in January, Leanne was part of a um, attempted stabbing attack, and her and her Mefakede, um, if I'm not wrong, she'll tell us more, uh, managed to uh, thwart the attack to stop the attack. And we are definitely interested to hear from Leanne a little bit about that. So Leanne, tell us what happened. Okay, so uh, yeah, you're right. I was with my commander um, and we were guarding in a junction called Kitaya Visal. 
Um, and in this junction, there's a, a few guarding uh, stations. There's three guarding stations. One wasn't being used because of the Sega, because of the, uh, I don't know how to say that in English. The closure. Because of the Sega and the closure, yeah. Um, and the other two were being used. Uh, at each station, there's two soldiers. Um, and they're, they're on, both on opposite sides of the junction, so of the busy road. And on uh, one side of the junction, um, uh, the, other, the other two uh, soldiers were dealing with a, a car that was suspicious. Um, so we, uh, they said that they needed some backup uh, just to check it out because they didn't understand something. So we went, we went over there to uh, help them out. And then uh, we'd finished with the, with the story with them. They were fine. Uh, it turned out to be just a, just a car um, that was parked in the wrong spot. Uh, nothing, nothing serious. Um, we moved that on to the police. They got um, whatever. They, we moved on from there and we decided to walk back to our stations. Now, in the meanwhile, whilst that was happening, um, the terrorist uh, had stood in the guarding station that wasn't being used thinking that we were going to return to there he was hiding in there uh, probably ready to jump at us the second we opened the door um but he saw that we weren't walking towards that station and saw that we started crossing the road so we didn't know that at the time uh, we've only only after like watching the cctv and everything we understood uh, that's that's where he came from that's the situation um, so we started to cross the road and only at the halfway, I noticed him standing next to me. Um, sorry, there's flies everywhere. <laughs> um, and we, uh, so we continued to cross the road. I, I had a look at him. He wasn't suspicious at the time. He was just looking at me. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. You know, he, his hands went in his pocket. There was nothing, uh, completely suspicious about it. Um, but I did think I'm going to keep an eye on this guy because he's he's looking at me. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. And then uh, we started to cross the road and I keep turning back to make sure he's keeping his distance. Um, and he was. Uh, and then I said, you know what, he's still looking at me. So when I when I finish crossing the road, I'm going to stop him and uh, and check him out and check, uh, you know, do a search on him. So we finished crossing the road and then the second I turned around just to make sure that he's kept his distance about to stop him, the second I, I did like a half turn with my body, he simply just leaped at me with a knife and tried to, to stab me a few times. Um, and I uh, dodged the first stab with, with my hand and that's how I received a little, just a tiny little scratch from the knife. Um, and then he continued to try to stab me in the neck, he missed. Uh, I started whacking him with my gun because it was too close for shooting range. Right, um, so that's something that you him. learn in the army, isn't it? Like that you you have to yeah. push them back first with their with your gun. So you acted out of your training. That, so that's really yes, that it was all yeah, it was all definitely instinct and very 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 quick, um, and you don't have a second to think. So it was a uh, it was lucky that uh, my brain just thought to uh, to work how how I've been taught. Um, so yeah, I managed to, to, to push him and he pushed me, whatever, at the end uh, I fell because we were you know, hitting one another. And then uh, he went over to my commander. He probably thought that he'd, uh, he'd managed to stab me and that's why he left me. Uh, he went over to my commander, attempted to stab him. My commander also, he was too close to him. So he started uh, hitting him like with his gun. 
Um, and then he came back to me because I just stood up. I just like, I just stood up and charged my gun ready to shoot him. But I couldn't shoot because another thing you learn in the army is that uh, if if you need to shoot, you need to make sure that your line of, of shooting is safe. So for example, there's no one behind him or something like that. And my commander was right behind him. So I couldn't shoot him um, because if, if I was to shoot him, the bullet would have gone straight through him and into my commander. And I, I wasn't willing to risk that. Um, so then uh, again, I gave him more wax from my gun. Uh, and then he went back to my commander. My commander gave him one, one shot to the chest. Um, and he came back to me after the shot. Um, I pushed him. Uh, obviously from the adrenaline, he was still going, but um, a bit weaker than usual. I pushed him, he fell to the ground. Uh, we made sure that he wasn't um, any danger to us. So a few more hits with the gun. Uh, we kicked the knife out of his hand. Um, and the other, the other two soldiers, after they heard the gunshot and uh, we... Uh, she called on the uh, uh, we, radio. Uh, yeah. On the radio, we called on the radio for backup. Um, straight after that, the, the other team, they joined us straight away. Uh, within three minutes, there was a bunch of people there, like at least 100 people. There was police, ambulance, more army uh, backup. And um, it was just a very crazy scene. Um and that was the end of that story. <laughs> wow, that is quite a story. That is incredible that you were able to act in that way and so bravely um, be able to think about all those different things, about not shooting your commander who was behind you, was behind him. Um, and that is really, really impressive. So well done. We really uh, thank you for protecting all of us um, in Israel right now and for coming all the way from London and serving and doing something uh, so incredible that you're doing. And um, I just wanted to say that, like, I think it's amazing that, like, young uh, Jewish women, after so many thousands of years, are and probably, you know, even for the first time, are fighting for, for Israel and for the Jewish people. And it's really something incredible and something that a lot of people, I'm sure, are um, a value around the world. So well done to you. And this is really an incredible story. But I wanted to ask you if that, like, changed the way that you look at anything or when, what went through your mind at the time? How were you able to deal with it psychologically? Um, a lot of questions there, but anything that you could give us would be good. Um, okay, so I can tell you that at the time, I wasn't thinking anything. <laughs> it was all just so quick. Like really, all of that story, right. uh, we looked back at the CCTV, it was between 10 and 15 seconds, the whole story. Um, so, it was all very, very quick. There wasn't a second to think. Uh, I'll be honest with you that after I was kind of like, what just happened? I completely forgot like exactly what happened. I only know from watching the CCTV back, uh, which isn't published by the way. So there's nowhere to find it. But um, right. yes, yeah, so um, I could tell you that I wasn't thinking anything, but I was shocked at the fact that my, like I didn't expect the adrenaline to take over my body so much. And I was shocked about that fact that that I didn't remember anything and like, how did that happen? And what just happened? So I remember feeling like that, but then at the end of the day, I remember also feeling like, wow, like, you know, we were standing there straight after it and we were like just guarding around the body and around the area because there's still uh, Palestinians walking around and, and stuff. So we were just making sure that everything was safe. And I was just thinking, wow, we like, we're safe. Like we managed to do something and to like save ourselves and to save 
save the citizens there and uh, like we're safe and everything's fine and everyone's fine and I was just kind of in shock so that was how I was feeling right. um, regarding how I feel about it now and whether it's changed me in some way um, I can definitely say that during my missions I'm 10 times more aware um, 10 times more you know more on it like standing there in, in a in a ready position the, the whole time. Um, and definitely it gave an insight to my friends here on base, um, you know, that we need to be more aware, just just keep our eyes open to everything, not, not to trust anyone, um, no matter how they look, you know. Um, to us now, everyone is suspicious. I mean, could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but yeah. it's better to be safe than to be sorry, especially right. in the areas that we're in now. Um, so it's just taught me really to be more aware and to appreciate the little things and appreciate the my, my team around me. I feel a lot closer to to my team and um, me and my commander are definitely a lot closer. Um, so it just taught me to appreciate a lot more all the little things. Right. Um, and and you've gained quite a lot of bit of uh, publicity since since this thing. So how has that been? Yeah. Has that been quite a whirlwind? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, it wasn't planned at all. My name wasn't meant to be published, um, but for some reason, it was released within a, within a half an hour after the situation. I didn't give permission for any of, of that, if I'm honest. Right. Um, I wouldn't have if I if I did have the choice, but after that, it just blew up on the on the media. You know, uh, straight after the situation, we went back to our post and continued guarding until the end of the day, and then. Uh, and then at the end of my mission, I opened my phone and I can't tell you, like, it was just a bomb of <sighs> messages and, and um, news articles. And I don't know, I was just so surprised. And uh, it was definitely overwhelming. A lot of people calling me that I don't know. Like, it was definitely, definitely overwhelming. I could tell you that's probably the, the most stressful part about it was just the the media and the, the people and the what's meant to be out, what's not meant to be out. And what do I do now? Um, right. Well, I think, you know, so, yeah. this podcast, for example, is is for Jewish teenagers. And, and the idea is yeah. kind of just to give your story, which I know you didn't necessarily agree to at the beginning. But what's good about it now, uh, at least for other people, is that they could be inspired by your story. So, um, A, to always be strong defenders of Israel, whatever that means um, around the world, and, and to stick up for Israel and to be brave and courageous. So whether that's, you know, going to the Israeli army or whether that might be on campus, or um, in schools where where people are trying to you know attack Israel in, in different ways, and it's difficult and it's hard to stand up to them. I think your story um, really ins might inspire people to to believe that they have the ability to, to to defend Israel, whatever that might be around the world. And we should all take a lesson from you, an inspiration from you, and just applaud all our soldiers who are defending Israel right now and giving up their their time and ultimately. Um, risking their lives for all of us. So we really thank you. And you're an inspiration and a, a young Jewish woman doing something which hasn't been done for, for literally thousands of years. So that's also another incredible thing. Um, so thank you so thank much, you. Uh, Leanne. And um, good luck to you. How long do you have left in the army? I have uh, less than a year. Um, but it's going quickly. The, the time in the army really, really flies. Right. Really flies. Are you planning on staying um, in Israel? Yeah, I definitely want to live here uh, in the end. Of course, I'll go home and visit my family um, every so often, but uh, I definitely want to, you know, 
to make a family and to settle settle down here and and everything. So this is this is my home. Um, Incredible. But yeah, okay. I just wanted to say something. Yeah, sure. um, I wanted to say thank you very much to everyone who's given me so much support. I really, especially the the British people from uh, there's a Facebook group uh, who really supported me throughout everything, and uh, I really appreciate all the support and the word, the kind words and um, the messages. And uh, although it was overwhelming, I definitely. Uh, definitely felt supported and definitely felt like I have a family away from home so uh, just wanted to say an extra thanks to everyone um, amazing I'm just going to give a shout out to Alana Album actually who um, she's in our community and she's always looking after lone soldiers and she works uh, very hard to look after lone soldiers with her organization that she's involved with um, and to all the people that are looking after lone soldiers and the British community that that really support their lone soldiers. So, kolakavod um, to everyone. Thank you so much, Leanne. Uh, really inspiring. And go and enjoy yourself now or be in the army and protect us, whatever you're up to. Thank you very much. Okay. No worries.